Your story. It lives in River City. Where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel. Where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another. Where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha. Told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Today, Carl Nick and special guest Sayer Bettinger preview two more draft-eligible quarterbacks for the 2018 NFL Draft class. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dumler, and with me as always, we have Nick Kendall and special guest, Mr. Sarah Bettinger. Gentlemen, how is your evening going? It's going great for me. Yeah, no complaints for me. Just uh, stuck in the clinic a little bit later than I had hoped today, but that's, that's what happens and getting the start. Sorry to make you guys wait a little bit, but we'll get that hour in here talking draft podcast, and then Carl will be on to the uh, preview episode as well. So getting them both done tonight. Perfect. Yeah, Sarah, what, what do you think about the matchup with Miami? What are your thoughts real quick? I mean, if there's another team in the NFL that's in as much of a state of disarray as the Broncos, I think the Dolphins are, are pretty darn close, right? I mean, they've lost five straight games and you got Jarvis Landry, you know, saying all these sorts of things. And I don't know, Adam Gase kind of feels like a, a dark horse hot seat coach to me. So I kind of feel like these are two of the the – NFL it's kind of like that that Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other that kind of feels like what this Broncos Dolphins game is like what's going on with either of these two teams what's the future like for them uh specifically at quarterback and yeah it could be pretty ugly this weekend yeah can't can't disagree there oh it's 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 the toilet bowl pretty much (laughs) as as terrible as that is to say about a Broncos game that's what it's become oh boy that's why we have to talk about these quarterbacks that's for sure Yeah. Well, this show's focus is all things pertain to your Denver Broncos. We will be bringing you draft podcast every single week leading up to the draft and even, I'm sure, after. With Nick, Sarah, and myself being film junkies, we will be bringing you these draft episodes with a scout-based perspective, breaking down these players and their skill sets and an X's and O's perspective of what they do on the field. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH and Sarah at Sarah at Sarah Bettinger. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have, because we live for talking Bronco football and the draft. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at huddle up pod and make sure you check out ours and our co-writers written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com and an affiliate of the CBS sports digital network. 
We know you listeners are as Bronco and football crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Now, before we get to these these two quarterbacks we're going to look at, Sarah, I thought maybe just give the, the listeners a little background on on your football history, I guess, and, and just your connection to the Broncos and, and your written content and all of that. We would love to hear about that. Oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, it's been a, it's been a crazy journey. Uh, so I, I really became a fan of the Denver Broncos at a young age. Um, my grandparents on my father's side retired out in Colorado, out in Estes park, which is one of my favorite places in, in the United States for sure. Um, and so we'd go out there every year and eventually it, it just, became to, to the point where my grandma couldn't handle the altitude, so they moved to Greeley about when I was 10, 11 years old. And, um, you know, going to Greeley, I don't know if you guys have ever been there. I'm sure you have. But in Greeley, there's not a whole lot to do, especially back then. And so what we would do when we'd go over the summers is we'd go to Broncos training camp. I mean, it's free. And uh, the team was obviously very good at the time. And so we'd go, and it was a lot of fun. And we just kind of developed a passion from there. And uh, I've always been I've always been passionate about both the Broncos and the NFL draft. I used to you know collect football cards and memorize the stats and the you know where guys were drafted on the back. I'm pretty sure I could name off any 1999 draft pick and uh, where they went to college and you know the, those type of things. But uh, so I've been passionate about it from a very young age, and it just kind of developed over time. You know, I'd, I'd go from writing mock drafts on a piece of paper to uh, one day I discovered Bleacher Report and uh, you could kind of just sign up, create an account and basically just put your opinions out there in a, you know, semi-professional way and have, you know, have editors give you feedback and things. And uh, and I really, I really latched onto that. Um, I ended up changing my major in college from uh, pre-dentistry to journalism and media studies and kind of just followed the uh, the rabbit hole wherever it led me. I was at Bleacher Report for a bit. I was at Mile High Report. Uh, and then I got hired by Fansided for their NFL draft site, NFLmox.com, and uh, eventually the Broncos site there as well. So uh, predominantly Orange.com. And so I've just it's been a it's been a kind of a wild journey, and I've seen a lot of different things and been part of a lot of different things as far as writing about the Broncos and being out at camp and everything. But uh, it's it's been a lot of fun, and I, I definitely love what I get to do and and love watching all these things unfold year after year. All right, perfect, man. Yeah, that's. Uh, if you didn't know, that's where I got my start was predominantly orange under Sire and, and him being a, a little bit of a mentor. I even uh, got confused by some people at the message board that, that Nick and I write at together uh, because, well, I'm a pastor. Sire is a pastor. <laughs> and we have some very similar thoughts on the Broncos. And it's it, it, sometimes it feels like it's an echo when Sire and I are talking to each other and Nick mm-hmm. and I, too, sometimes. I don't know. Some. Yeah. Nick every once in a while, but, but yeah. So somebody asked me if I was you on the message board and I said, no, no, that's not me, but it's definitely a, a good guy to follow. So we're happy yeah. to have you on here, man. I take that as a compliment, you know, great minds think alike. And I, you you know, I consider you guys great minds. If we get confused for each other. I, I'll take that. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, let, let's get into these quarterbacks here because that's what everybody came to listen to. And we have some electric guys to talk about. Oh my goodness! It doesn't get much more. It's where I'm looking. Boom or bust, I guess, 
maybe than the guys we're talking about today. And our first one, Mr. Heisman himself, Lamar Jackson of Louisville. Nick, what do you have on this guy? Well, Lamar Jackson is a junior this season, but by all indication, he is going to be leaving for the NFL draft. I've actually heard that he is strongly considering not playing the bowl game, whichever one Louisville ends up in, because, I mean, what else does he have to prove being a running quarterback? What if he gets hurt, et cetera, et cetera? You know, you can't do that. So I mean, if Louisville was playing for the, you know, a big bowl game or the championship, I could see he would play. But kind of like Christian McCaffrey last year, this Louisville team, not really playing in a big bowl. And that might actually be good for my Hawkeyes because I've seen some predictions of Louisville going against Iowa in the pinstripe bowl. So I won't be too upset about that. But not a very high recruit. Three-star guy out of Florida. And apparently a pretty shy guy. His, uh, his mother's very shy as well, and you're not giving out a lot of information. Um, his father died in a car accident when he was a child, which is very, very sad and unfortunate. And too bad for Lamar Jackson. I don't know. It's really hard to win that Heisman two years in a row. But his numbers this year are as good as last year. You know, he's not winning the same amount of games, but his team around him isn't as good. And I think as a player, it's kind of that Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott thing, where his year before he came out, you know, he was kind of a Heisman favorite. The team was hot, and they were getting a lot of ESPN highlights, et cetera, et cetera. Then that next year came, team wasn't as good, and they weren't making as many splash plays. You know, Lamar Jackson obviously is still making some great splash plays, but they're improving. They improved as pocket passers, and that's something that I really love to see out of Lamar Jackson. That's something I've taken away watching his film this year is that He's really improved every single year incrementally as a passer and that he's going to have to to perform well at the next level. Yeah, Sire, what do you think about this kid? Oh, my gosh. Uh, exactly exactly what Nick said is what is felt. Uh, I felt like last year, you know, you could have attributed his success to being just a dominant athlete. And I'm looking at the notes here, um, not just super-duper fast but elusive too. I think a lot of college quarterbacks who have that speed – um, can win with the speed. You know, we look at Marcus Mariota, but I saw a guy last year who was, you know, people considered him to be a much better runner than a thrower or a, or a passer, I guess, obviously. Uh, but this year, he's really taken the next step. You know, I've, I've, I've watched and compared games from this year to last year and just the growth that he's shown in the pocket uh, and the way that he's able to manipulate defenses with his running ability rather than just resorting to it quickly when things break down, I think his, his pocket awareness has improved considerably. His ability to move to multiple reads has improved. Uh, and this guy, is he's got the best arm in the draft, I think. I mean, I, I can't remember seeing anybody throw a ball so effortlessly so far down the field since Michael Vick. Uh, and, and this guy can do that. This guy's got every physical tool that you would want, except for maybe, you know, ideal bulk. Obviously, to this point, that hasn't really been a, a hindrance for him uh and so yeah maybe you worry about that a little bit at the next level but i think what i've seen from him this year is a guy that's really improved in terms of what the professional coaches and scouts want to see from a college quarterback yeah completely agree he i i would maybe put josh allen's arm a little bit stronger i me too i, I think josh yeah, allen has a bigger arm yeah his, his arm it's just it's just crazy but he's not the quarterback that, that Lamar Jackson is not, we'll get into that here in just a little bit, but he, he has, he's very much improved as a quarterback last year. There was a lot of people, even though he put up all those crazy numbers, star Wars numbers, mad numbers, whatever you want to call it. There were still a lot of people who were viewing him as almost more of a wide receiver when he got to the NFL level than that of a, a quarterback. And he's done so much this year to really change a lot of opinions 
and and really just raise his draft stock to the point of saying, hey, this guy, he could be something fun. And, and even in the NFL level, because you have to respect that speed, you have to respect that elusiveness and you have to respect that arm. It, there's just you have to play every part of the field and have your head on a swivel to see if he's going to take off running. I, I just got done watching his game against NC State because, hey, no better game. That defensive line there for NC State is NFL caliber. You got Bradley Chubb, who's probably going to go in the top 10 of the draft, of course, and, and some other guys that are going to get some some draft looks and, and stuff like that. But uh, just to, to see how they were trying to play him, and they were still having to try to send blitzes to just to keep lanes and, and try to, to keep him contained because they were so afraid of him taking off running. And when that happened, all of a sudden you had these isolation routes on the outside for some easy throws for him. That, that's just the, the kind of respect that he brings to the field. And, and I love this kid probably more than, than some out there. I, I have him as a first-round grade. I have him as my third-best quarterback in this draft. That, that's where I put him. I have Rosen ahead of him. I have Darnold ahead of him. But then it comes Lamar Jackson. But I also think he is kind of that, that boomer bust prospect in part because I am afraid I don't see how he lasts 10 years in the league. Do you guys? Not with how he's playing right now. No, he's going to have to add weight, and he's going to have to become more and more of a pocket passer because it just takes one hit to that knee area to change everything. So with how much he's going to get hit and how big and fast NFL defenses are, you, you know, you obviously don't want to take away his electricity that he brings as a runner, but it has to be limited more, and he has to make more plays with his arm as opposed to his legs. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I haven't cringed watching a, a, a quarterback as good as this guy play, but when Louisville's calling all these plays designed, essentially designed to get him hit hard, uh, I cringe watching this guy run because you just know he's going to take a big lick at one point or another, and it's just a you know flip of the coin, basically, of whether or not he's going to get up. Um and we've seen, you know, the last couple of years, Marcus Mariota, a, a, to me, a kind of a similarly built guy. I mean, I know they're not the exact same dimensions and things like that, but kind of a similar, like, skinnier, not necessarily bulky. Um, I just worry, like you guys said, I worry about that one time that he gets hit that's in the wrong spot. Um, is that going to affect him? So I think he really needs to improve at, at avoiding contact, especially when he does hit the open field, because that could be... Uh, his major major downfall at the next level. Yeah, for being such a skinny quarterback, I've never seen a guy who actually looks for contact like him. There's a, a play on the sideline in the NC State game where he was pretty much running out of bounds, and defenders just come in just to make sure that he runs out of bounds. And next thing you know, he tries to like cut it up field and just lowers his shoulder into the guys he's running out of bounds. And it didn't. It maybe gained him an extra half yard, but it was another big hit to to a shoulder. And I'm just going, that, that was so unnecessary. You had the first down. You, you don't need that extra half yard. And I see him do that pretty much about three or four times a game where he really wants to lower his shoulder. And he's not really going to gain anything extra. But it's just more, I don't know if he's trying to show his toughness on the field or, or what it is. But th- there's just things like that that just drive me crazy and make me go, man, this guy, I love what he brings to the field. But I also want a quarterback that I don't have to worry every single game. Is this guy going to get back up? And he just, he does. He takes a lot of unnecessary hits. He likes to run around in the pocket a lot, trying to buy that extra time. And he takes a lot of sacks just because he wouldn't throw the football away. 
there's times where he's running to the sideline at full speed. There's no way he can cut it up field and he still just runs it out of bounds and it's a negative play. So Louisville, they have a lot of plays where they're, they are second and 20, third and 15. A big part of it is because he runs backwards and he can pick it up the very next play. He can go for 60 yards, you know, in the blink of an eye. So that, that's, that's the good and bad that you're going to get from this guy. You're going to have a lot of negative plays. You're going to have a lot of head sh- shaking. Just what in the world is this guy doing plays? And then the next one, he's just going to go and, and throw it 60 yards down the field. Just, you know, flip of the wrist and it's gone. Or he's going to take off for an 80-yard touchdown. You're going, okay, this is why we drafted this guy. So he's, he's going to be, especially early on, he's going to be a, a lightning, lightning type player, but also just one that's probably going to lose you a couple games because of stupid decisions that he makes. We saw that against Clemson this year where, you know, he, he kind of tried to, to play the hero ball a little bit um, and do more than, than he should have initially against a very talented defense. And so I think that NFL evaluators, if they're being really harsh on this guy, will look at that game and maybe say, you know, is this what we're going to get on a consistent basis in this guy's rookie year? It's just him trying to do too much early on. Um, but I think once he settles in, it's, I mean, you, you do a little projecting with this guy and think what could he be if he does figure X, Y, or Z out. And I think that that's where Lamar Jackson is, is really rising up the board for me. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. And I definitely have issues with him. It, it seems like it's an issue with a lot of these top quarterbacks this year, and just young quarterbacks in general. But a lot of them don't learn, or a lot of them don't play to live another down. They instead are looking for the big play all the time, whether it's forcing the ball into tight windows or running around until they get sacked for a 15-yard loss or potentially even lose the football. So that's something he's definitely going to have to work on at the next level. Uh, they do use a fair amount of pro concepts in the pass game. You know, it's obviously a, more of a college spread offense where you're going to have quarterback running and some option plays and RPOs, et cetera, et cetera. But as far as his uh, going through progressions, they do do a fair amount of NFL type of uh, – progressions and I think that's something that you can work with at the next level he is going to have to work on his mechanics Um, a lot of times you know we talked about him having a great arm he can throw off of any platform make pretty much any throw he accelerates or he excels not accelerates he does accelerate plenty of times too (laughs) but he excels over the middle of the field I mean he can hit those tight ends or those seam routes as good as probably any quarterback in this class he can get there with the velocity he can get it there with touch and I don't know if you guys saw the, his game this week, but he had a 27-yard pass down the left sideline. Yeah, that was probably one of the more pretty throws I've seen of his career. Just touch, perfect placement, perfect timing, just everything you could want. But it's just not consistent enough right now. And I think it starts with his base. His footwork right now, especially when he's asked to drop back, is not consistent. It's not clean. Uh, he doesn't do a great job of stepping up into throws. Granted, he has the arm to get away with it sometimes, but if he just works on those little things and continues to work on his footwork, especially stepping up into throws. I think you're going to see his accuracy improve tremendously. Right now, his, you see him throw a lot of throws over the top. You know, they're just a little bit too much mustard on them, or they sail, specifically when they are outside the hash marks or outside the numbers, those you know, 10, 15-yard outs. He's not going to hit those right away. You're one, and that's something that NFL teams will have issues with um, because that's a staple of many NFL offenses. You, know, you can't run that college-style offense as consistently in the NFL, and he's going to have to work on those, those outside throws and those more, you know, Flood concepts, so to speak, if he's going to succeed at the NFL. So, Nick, I, I know that Sire really loves this guy. How do you project him to the NFL? Do you think this guy can be actually success, successful, or is he just that college highlight reel? 
I think he can be successful, but he's not a quarterback that is going to succeed in every scheme. I think you have, like we've been talking about, my top two guys in this draft class are Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold. Not just top two players. I think they're going to end up being the top two guys on my board. Granted, that has a lot to do with positional value. I do put that into the rankings. But if you put Lamar Jackson in a scheme, say, like what the Titans do with that exotic smash mouth, or like what Anthony Lynn liked to do with Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor, you know, where they're using that zone, moving pockets, rollouts, and have a deep vertical threat like Sammy Watkins, I think that's a, that's a great fit for him. I don't really see him playing in a scheme. Some people have suggested Bruce Arians and that Arizona offense. I don't see him being a consistent, you know, 30, 35 times a game, throwing it down the field. But rather, you know, you want, have a, you want him to be in a heavy play-action scheme where he has that strong offensive line and isn't asked to do too much as far as his reads. You know, cut the field in half and let him grow from there. I think the Chargers honestly would be an ideal fit for him, as sad as that would be to see offense, what they had at Buffalo and what I've heard he wants to do in Los Angeles would be perfect for Lamar. They want to get bigger on the offensive line. They want to run that offense through Melvin Gordon. And Lamar Jackson's going to need a year or two. How many years left does Phil Rivers have? A year or two? So that, that seems like an ideal situation for him. Gives him time to bulk up. Gives him time to work on his dropbacks, his footwork, and just being a little bit better making decisions. And I think, he, I, think I would have my quarterback 3.5. That's, that's as cop-out as I can be. <laughs> him and Baker are neck and neck for me. Mm. Uh, they're, they're very close. They both, they both are guys that I don't think can work in every scheme. But if you get them in there with an intelligent offensive coordinator that caters to their needs – and instead it is a guy, you know, so many offensive coordinators like, here's what I do. This is what we're going to do. If it doesn't work for you, too damn bad. That's not what you need with Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson. You need a guy who can be flexible and cater to their needs and help them grow and develop that way. So that's something we haven't seen the Paxton Lynch in Denver, but there are teams that do that. I mean, you see that Mariota, Carson Wentz. I mean, Jared Goff this year, you see that big jump. Offensive coaches putting them in situations to succeed. Imagine that. That's crazy. So, but I do really like Lamar Jackson. And for me, worst case scenario, what, what if he is just a wide receiver or a kick returner? I mean, he's still freaking electric. He's still going to make plays. And we saw how good Grand Trail Pryor is a giant, but like Lamar Jackson's going to make plays no matter what. He's a football player. So obviously you lose value there if he's not a quarterback and you're taking him first round. But I think either way, you're coming down with a good player and by all accounts, very smart, good leader, humble kind of guy as well. So I'm, I'm a big Lamar Jackson fan and I'm hoping to see unless he goes to like the Raiders, the Patriots or something. Okay. We're... I guess, Sayer, where, where would you be willing to take him in the draft? Oh, man. I mean, that's, that's a good question. Uh, I, I would say if it was me, and I've jumped the gun on, on many a quarterbacks in my time watching the draft. I've jumped, on, I've jumped on the hype train for guys who maybe just don't work out long-term, but I get the sense with this guy that he's a long-term type of guy. Um, I know we worry about his body holding up, but if, if you see a guy that can – show out throughout his rookie contract and earn a second deal. I think that that's a guy who's worthy of your first round pick. And so definitely first round. And for me, if, if it's, if we're talking specifically for the Broncos, I, I honestly wouldn't hesitate to take him with whatever their pick ends up being in the first round. It's, this is a guy, like you said, if you build an offense around him, he could end up being the best quarterback from this draft, the best playmaker in general from this draft and so if you take a chance on that and you say we're going to build our team around this guy and make him successful because we're going to put him in positions to succeed week after week after week then I think that this is a type of player I mean you look at I'm just looking down the list of of this scouting report here I mean can make all the throws elite athlete tough in the pocket understands pre-snap reads 
those are some intangible qualities that this guy has that you can't, you can't necessarily teach. And so if you can teach him certain things, certain small things, uh, I think he can be one of the best players, if not the best player from this draft. But like, like you guys are saying, there's risk attached. So I would, I would definitely say he's worth the risk of that, that top pick um, specifically speaking for the Broncos. Yeah, I definitely, I don't think I would take him personally in the top 10. I think there's just a little bit too much risk there, but I think somebody's going to take him in the first round. He's one of those guys where if Denver is targeting him, I'd like them to trade back or trade up back into the first round to take him. He's still, it's going to take a little bit of time. And I think personally as a Bronco fan and somebody who's dealt with this Paxton Lynch stuff the past couple of years, I think the Broncos are going to be a little bit gun shy with a guy who's going to need a little bit of time to develop. Uh, he's, you know, just a couple more issues that I have in my notes here. He struggles with passing lanes, especially in that second level. You don't see him get the balls batted down as much by the defensive line, but I see a fair amount by the linebackers, which is pretty interesting and kind of concerns me because those linebackers in the NFL are more likely to come down with some of those to him. He tends to drop his eyes. It's classic. Again, we're talking Paxton lunch again. If that pressure gets up his face, he's looking to make a play with his legs. He's not looking to make plays with his legs to buy time as a runner. And that's something that, you know, especially with a smaller frame and needing to becoming more of a passer instead of just a runner. That's something he's going to have to do. So also, again, with the eyes, uh, I don't see him use his eyes to manipulate the safety very much, especially you can see it like teams will come out in the second half and start sitting on those, in those zones and uh, just watch his, watch his eyes because he can telegraph some of those passes. You, you talk, mentioned the Clemson game earlier. I think it was that second half. He's just started to throw some interceptions. The NC State game as well. And it's because I felt like those safeties and those guys in the secondary were sitting on some of those routes he's going to need to do a better job manipulating those safeties and using his eyes at the next level. But I, I, I really like him. And if, if Denver does bring him in, I think you probably get a quarterback in free agency first on a short year, short term deal. Kind of like a guy like Tyrod Taylor would be ideal as a one or two year stopgap that can lead, lead you to a Lamar Jackson era. Here's, here's my thought of him towards the Broncos. There's two things that have to happen for me to be really excited about him coming to the Broncos. One, is them being willing to admit that they are actually in a rebuild mode, that they know it's probably going to be another couple of years before they are fully competitive again. Now that maybe they could be playoff contenders next year with a guy like Lamar, but, but at least be willing to commit to understanding you're going to have some growing pains with this guy. Kind of like the, the Eagles last year with Carson Wentz or um, the Rams with Goff. They understood they were going to have some growing pains with a rookie quarterback that needed some time to grow. Now, both those guys were probably a little bit more pro-ready than what you're getting here with Lamar. But I think that's that's what you got to do. You got to be willing to take your your lumps with a young quarterback. Broncos didn't do that with Paxton Lynch because they were really struggling to admit, hey, we're we're not that Super Bowl team anymore. That's really hard to sell to the fans. I understand that. And and with that defense, I guess it's really hard to admit, hey, we're we're getting ready to rebuild. So we'll understand we're gonna throw Paxton in here and see what he can do. That's not what they did, and now they're kind of kicking themselves, I'm sure, that they've pretty much wasted two years with Trevor Simeon. <laughs> oh, boy, he's coming back in. That's another story. But And the second thing for me would be who they hire as the offensive coordinator. Do you get that young guy in that's, that's willing to com- actually completely build an offense around Lamar Jackson? This whole week leading up to this game with Paxton, we were told – that they were putting in a lot of the read option, that they were doing the spread offense. And then we get onto the field and all I see is Paxson under center still playing the McCoy system. If they're going to run the McCoy system or, or whoever that, that old school kind of mentality play from the pocket, all that kind of stuff. 
Lamar Jackson is not your guy. He will fail miserably if they do that. So for me, it's a matter of who they get for the offensive coordinator and just how much they're willing to commit to playing through the difficult times with him. Yeah, I agree. And I just, I don't think he fits the Elway quarterback mold. So I don't think it's going to happen. I think more likely, I mean, you, you don't need a six foot seven guy again, but you have the bigger types, the Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, you know, bigger, bigger frame for sure. And then round two, potentially Mason Rudolph. I think he's going to fall to the second round. Uh, we'll be talking about him next week. And the guy that we're going to talk about next, I think is, I think he's a second round, third round guy, just because he is definitely a project and a uh, huge, huge bust uh, potential. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But I think that's a pretty good transition to move on to the next guy here. Josh mm-hmm. Allen, four-year junior, University of Wyoming, six foot five, about 235 pounds, uh, was not a nationally ranked recruit, and sent his tape to literally every single Division One program in the league, uh, played junior college and our community college football. And it was, I believe it was Fresno State and Wyoming were the only ones to get back to him. And he chose, he chose Wyoming. And, man, he, he definitely had some hype the beginning of this season and the end of last season. I mean, his, his highlight tape is about as fun as it gets for a quarterback. You know, talk about running sideline to sideline and making throws 50 yards down the field. It's almost like you're playing rookie mode on Madden and you're playing like Michael Vick or something. You know, just back and forth. All the defensive linemen are super slow and you just chuck it down the field and it works 50% of the time. When you're watching the highlights, it kind of comes off like that. However, when you actually sit down and watch the tape, I don't really see that. You know, he has a lot of issues, and I don't think he's a guy, you know, I de- we definitely have some Wyoming listeners on this podcast, I'm sure, with Denver uh, being pretty close to Wyoming there. But I just, I don't see a guy that I would be comfortable taking in the first round, especially in the top 10, because he does have such a huge bust potential. I'm with you on that for sure. I mean, I think, I think everyone was sort of all aboard the Josh Allen hype train to start this season, and you get the big matchup. Well, big, big enough matchup at the beginning of the year with Iowa for him to at least showcase his skills against a pretty good Big Ten defense. And I think that that game really set the tone for kind of where I'm at with Josh Allen for this season. It's And, and, and looking at this scouting report, the thing that really stands out to me is he has not played a good game against a Power 5 opponent, and I can't ignore that. I mean, that's not everything to me. I think when you're looking at evaluating quarterbacks for the NFL, you definitely have to look at traits and not necessarily a team result against big-time big uh, competition, but it's the way that, they, that he's lost to some of the big competition. And I look at the Iowa and the Oregon games from this year specifically um, for that. Um, it, it was just it was erratic at best. I mean, this this guy came in with – so much hype and and of course you know and they say this on every wyoming broadcast because i've watched every josh allen game this year and they they mention every broadcast he lost tanner gentry to the nfl and he lost brian hill to the nfl i mean he lost all these guys to the nfl and that's a valid that's a valid point and i think that that'll be talked about a lot with him coming up because nobody is higher on this guy than matt miller at bleacher report <laughs> they dating? Josh Allen than matt miller and <laughs> He's still got him going fourth overall in the draft, and he's positive that Josh Allen is going to come in, you know, to the Senior Bowl and show these NFL scouts, you know, this guy's got every single skill. He checks every single box, but we already know that. We already know that he checks every single box. He's got the size. He's got the arm. He's got, you know, experience in a pro-style offense. He's got all those things, and he's got the the, the highlight reel that makes, you know, that's going to make scouts and general managers go gaga over this guy but what he doesn't have is just that that consistency of 
the killer instinct to me, the guy that's going to, he's going to kill you with those short passes and make you pay for leaving, you know, open hole, leaving holes open in your defense. Um, He doesn't strike me as that type of guy. He strikes me as more of the guy that says, well, I'm going to, I want to take the biggest play possible. And if it's not there, you know, I, he kind of, he kind of seems to get inaccurate and dejected pretty quickly. Um, And I think that that's a big, big issue to me is just the way that he kind of looked dejected early in this season, like defeated to the point of, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to impress an NFL scout again. I mean, there's one picture of him in a, I think it's the Oregon game where he just looks, he looks like he's about to cry. Um, And so I don't know, for me, Josh Allen, like you said, big time boomer bust. He could be the best quarterback from this class or he could be out of the league before his contract is up. Um, But he's definitely an interesting guy. Did you say a big, tall quarterback with a big, strong arm crying? <laughs> That's, that fits our mold. That fits our mold exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's, uh, the, the talent deficiency for him is a real thing. I know a lot of people look at the stats and say, oh, my goodness, this guy is terrible. And the stats haven't been great this year for sure. And the completion percentage, it, it's somewhat justified, but it's also – I've went back and watched a lot of his games this year, and I think almost every single game he has at least one drop touchdown and probably has at least four or five drop passes per game. The talent around him is just, it is terrible. His offensive line, not great. Wide receivers have very little speed and worse hands than their speed. So it's, (laughs) I feel for him that way. Still, there's a lot of throws that you're sitting there going, what in the world were you seeing on the field? And there's times where he misses his wide receiver by 10, 15 yards. I, this is, I, I wrote this down because I thought both of you would appreciate this with, with Sire, you being a, a Cubs fan and, hmm. and uh, Nick, you being a, a Cardinals fan. This is a guy that you guys know well. And Araldus Chapman, just having that arm that just amazes you at different times. But when the control is gone, it is terrible. It is scary. I, you wouldn't want to be a batter in there because you have no idea where this ball is going to go. Mm-hmm. And I just I see that when he's on, he is tough to beat. When he has the opportunity to step into a throw and just rocket it down the field, it is incredible to watch. But then when he is off or just too sped up or there's just so many times where you're just going, uh, I have no clue who you were even throwing that to. And so it's just, it is, it's hard to watch because you watch the highlight reels and you go, this guy is special. You watch him take off running and it is, he's such an incredible runner. I was very, very impressed. He has a lot more speed than people give him credit for. He has power, not quite to the Cam Newton level, but it's, it's up there. And he's not afraid to lower his shoulder, pick up that first down. He'll beat you to the edge. There's, there's a lot of things to really like about his game. And he'll check everything, like you said, of the physical traits that you want in a quarterback. He- Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. He will check that off big time, but it's the, the quarterback things that you ask him to do that make me say, ah, I just, 
I can't see this guy making it in the NFL. I just don't think he has the head to be an NFL quarterback. Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm in agreement with you guys. I think that there is going to be probably some GM out there that's going to convince themselves to take him in the first round. And how he does, if he does go to the Senior Bowl, which would be awesome, just for a storyline standpoint. And, you know, at the Combine, he's going to meet all those GMs, the scouts, the coaches, the whiteboards, just talk with the guys. And I've heard people talk about Josh Allen. They say, you know, that guy looks like a quarterback. You know, when they go to the games, it's not just watching the games. A lot of times those NFL personnel guys, they're out of there by halftime, the third quarter. They don't really care about the outcome of the game. They want to see how those guys are interacting with their coaches, with their teammates. Josh Allen is a guy who looks like a quarterback. You know, huge, huge arm. You know, I, we talked about earlier, probably, probably the strongest arm of any quarterback in a draft class since Cardale Jones in terms of the ability to push it vertically and just the velocity he can get on it is downright impressive. But he just he, he has some issues that I can't get past. You talked about it. His decision-making is poor. What are, what are you seeing sometimes? He doesn't really look like he takes care of the football. He will throw it into triple, quadruple coverage without even thinking about it. A lot of times on the run off his back foot. I mean, like, you can't do that. You, he, I understand you have a strong arm. You trust it. You're playing in uh, the Mountain Valley Conference. You know, it's not the SEC. But you can't do that. And he gets, makes a lot of those, as I call them, YOLO balls that just you can't, you can't do. And his accuracy, just under 60% every single year. You talk about the drop passes, which is true. But then you see ones that he just, they're not even close. You talked about Araldis Chapman. For me, my comp, my comp for him, what I've seen from his tape this year, is a more athletic Christian Hackenberg, where you have those bits of tape where you see, wow, no wonder this guy was a top recruit at quarterback. That's an NFL throw, throwing it to the outs, velocity, touch, everything you want. But then there are plays where you're, like, you're forcing it, your accuracy is all over the board, your footwork is not even close to being consistent, and it's just leading to multiple issues. And when that happens, this is honestly probably one of my biggest issues with him. Things snowball on him. You see Sam Darnold throw out there, he'll throw a pick, He'll go back out there, and it looks like it doesn't even face him. Once things start to get a little bit out of control and he'll throw a pick, uh, Josh Allen, that is, you see it start to snowball on him. Things start to spiral out of control. His body language, I think it's a little bit worse. And you you can't have that at the quarterback position, especially in the NFL. And finally, something I wanted to touch on that I don't – maybe I'm reading too much into this, but it seems like I got to worry about the spotlight for him. You know, last year at Wyoming, there were some draft Knicks that kind of knew about Josh Allen, but once the offseason came, this Josh Allen guy from Wyoming, the next number one overall pick. And this year, you have everybody tuning in to watch Wyoming football to see how he does. And to me, he shrunk in that opportunity. And that's something when you're going, you got to have that guy that's the competitor. You got to have that guy that relishes the spotlight. And Josh Allen, I, I do worry that maybe that spotlight is a little bit too big for him. That's something that, I mean, obviously what he does at the Senior Bowl and combine and interviews that'll that'll be different the nfl's a different beast because we'll have better players around him better coaching everything like that but you still can't help but wonder about that yeah i agree i think it's i think two big issues for me with him mental toughness like what you were just talking about can you can you handle that spotlight can you handle the pressure um i think you know on multiple occasions even on an individual game by game basis we've seen we've seen maybe a little bit of a lack of mental toughness from him or emotional stability even, you could say. Um, But I think the physical toughness thing is an issue too because I I didn't even realize uh, he he suffered a season-ending broken clavicle 
as a sophomore. And this year, now he's dealing with the AC joint sprain. And so you've got a guy with now injury concerns, inability to step up in big situations, and really just generally an erratic playing style overall. To me, none of that equates to first-round pick. And I, and I have to say, if the Broncos use a first-round pick on this guy, much less the fourth overall pick like Matt Miller's projecting, I, I, would, I would probably have a meltdown. Um, not because I don't like the guy, right? You know, I don't believe he can be. This is one thing that I've been saying repeatedly this year regarding Josh Allen. I don't think that his flaws are beyond correcting. Um, I don't think that what what makes him a question mark is beyond fixing at the next level. But it's it's to the point that you can't invest something like a first, maybe even a second round pick in this guy. I mean, as much as the upside is there. Um, and even like you mentioned with Christian Hackenberg, like that guy showed out as a freshman with Allen Robinson. And the thought was even, even with, even with what he did at Penn state, uh, I think that the thought was we'll get him back with some good receivers finally and, and see what he can do. Well, he hasn't even been able to really sniff the field for the New York jets. Uh, and, and ironically, the rumor is that the jets are the team that most covets Josh Allen for whatever reason. Um, and so, I mean, it's just, to me, it's a situation where I could not justify a first round pick on this guy, even based on the highlight tape, uh, even based on that alone. I don't think knowing what we know about him um, now and seeing how he responded to that hype, I, I don't think I could spend a first round pick on this guy. So I guess then my question is, what round are you willing to spend a pick on this guy? I would, I would say if you could get him late on day two or mid day two, or even, even in the third round in general, if you use your first two picks on guys that are going to contribute right away, I think you can justify a third round pick on somebody that you can wait, you know, a year, two years to see, uh, to see to fruition, especially, you know, and specifically with the Broncos, you know, if they're, if they're drafting Josh Allen in the third round, that means that they went out and got somebody in free agency that that, that's going to start. And so I think that you can justify that a lot easier um, if you take two guys that are going to be playing right away ahead of him, even though their third round pick is going to be high, I think that you could justify that at that point. Yeah, Where would I you take him, Nick? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I personally think I would take him in the second round, depending on if I had a quarterback already in place. Second place, and you have this issue like the Broncos had with Trevor Simeon, Mark Sanchez, and Paxton Lynch, I am steering clear because then you're going to have the issue of, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? You know, just that whole thing. I don't know if I don't want to deal with that, especially already having to deal with this. But if you're a team like, let's say, Perfect Fit, the Pittsburgh Steelers, where Big Ben is probably two, three years left, he can sit there, learn the system, improve. I think that that's ideal. And I would be fine taking, I mean, if the Steelers took him in the first round, I don't think I'd bat an eye. It's kind of like Patrick Mahomes going in the first last year. You're not going to see him this year, maybe not next year, but he's going to get that time and those, those physical tools that he has. I personally wouldn't take him in the first round. I think there's way too many flaws there, and accuracy is the most important attribute for a quarterback. And simply put, he's not showing it on tape to me. But I could, just the tools are there, and I can see somebody taking him in the second round, maybe even the first round, just because of that fifth-year option. It's not that he is a first-round talent, so to say, but because of that fifth-year option, that first-round pick, and the quarterback developmental timeline, I could see a team justifying it in that regard. It would have to be a late first-round pick, but... Yeah, I'd, I just wouldn't be comfortable taking him personally. I would rather get a guy like, 
Mason Rudolph in the second round or maybe even Riley Ferguson in the third round than take Josh Allen. And if Josh Allen's there at the top of the second round and you know, we're pretty set at quarterback, I could see it then. I, I mean, the upside's there. If he busts, it's just like every other freaking second round pick we've had, it seems like, if that's the case. So that's that's not the worst, I guess. But <laughs> I, ah, man, I don't know. I just, I have, I have big issues with this game and it all stems from that accuracy. That's... Accuracy is one of those traits that usually doesn't get much better when you get to the pros. It always seems to be where what you what you see is what you got. And since that's one of his biggest issues, I guess that's the part for me that's just kind of like, oh, man, I, I personally wouldn't take him before the third round, uh, late third round. I just I, I just see too many things wrong with this game. It is. It's easy to fall in love with his physical traits, but. I guess I <laughs> maybe this is some PTSD from the Paxton Lynch falling in love with him of uh, just not wanting to make that same mistake again of just falling in love with a guy that has incredible physical traits and just hoping that when he got around NFL quarterback or NFL caliber coaches and, and people that they could really turn him into an NFL quarterback. That That's maybe for me why I'm a little bit more hesitant to, to take him to take him high. And but I, I do. I love his. I love the physical traits. I love his ability to run. Almost not not to the Lamar Jackson level, but I do love his ability just to lower his shoulder to that that red zone threat. Cam Newton, one of the hardest red zone threats in the NFL, just because you got to worry about this guy just pounding it up the middle from three yards out and just physically beating you to the end zone. I can see that same thing here with this kid. And, and so that kind of thing just makes me go, man, this, this would be fun. But at the risk of, of then sacrificing accuracy again, <laughs> that's, that's the hard part for me. So he, he's definitely a little bit lower on my list than, than he was at the beginning of the year for sure. All right. Well, you guys ready to go on to the uh, My Guys section? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Well, before we move on here to the next section, we want to say thank you once again to our great sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You know, if you're getting kind of tired of watching the Broncos play football, and I, I, I mean, I'm never not going to watch a Bronco game because Bronco football, even if they suck, is better than no football. But this week with Simeon going back and the terrible Dolphins and just ugh, going out, Going out east, it doesn't feel like a great game. We'll get more to that during the preview. But honestly, if I wasn't such a diehard, maybe I'd be getting a book off Audible. Maybe I'd then maybe that'd be a better use of my time on Sunday than being let down once again by these 2017 Broncos. But we'll see. But yeah, make sure you guys go check out Audible. It's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. All right, now before we get out of here, the last section is I sprung this on you guys right before we started recording today. So you're welcome for that, for the totally being unprepared, which is fantastic. It's just like I like it because I'm all ready for it, and you guys are going to sound stupid. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, my guys, it's just kind of a fun section where, you know, it doesn't have to be the best overall player in this class or the cornerback one or anything like that, but guys that you've watched film on that, you know, might not be getting super big NFL hype or draft analyst hype right now that you think are going to be successful. And Sire, I'm going to kick it off to you first since you are the guest. Give me one of your awesome. guys. Oh man, um, this this might seem like a no brainer, but uh, my one of my favorite guys in this draft is Bradley Chubb uh, from NC State. Uh, I did uh, I did a a game for Pro Football Focus this year, uh, the Florida State North Carolina State game, 
and uh, I was I was in charge of checking out the North Carolina State defense, and I have not seen uh, I have not seen a player at the size that Chubb is six four two seventy five is is what he's listed at. I've not seen a player of his size able to to do the things that he does at the college level for a while. Um, he he's so athletic. Uh, he's he's just a he's got such a refined game as a pass rusher overall, and the proof is in the pudding, really. Um, and not just as a pass rusher, but uh, you know, making any plays behind the line of scrimmage. You look at his his numbers from this year and last year. I mean, twenty four tackles for loss this year, twenty one and a half last year, ten sacks in both of the past two seasons. Uh, this guy is a difference maker in every every sort of way as a defensive lineman. And I think I think when you transition him to the NFL, I think he's going to be that that base defensive end, uh, and he's just going to wreak havoc. Um, I think about Derek Barnett last year, uh, and he was a little underrated because of his athletic measurables. But I think Bradley Chubb is going to come out and and really kind of surprise people with his athleticism uh, and speed, in specifically. Um, whereas Barnett wasn't able to necessarily do all of those things, uh, which is why he fell to the middle of the first, which I thought was a huge mistake, especially going to the Eagles, which, I mean, my gosh, that's another podcast entirely, the the construction of the Eagles. But Bradley Chubb, to me, is a guy that's going to transition to the NFL very, very quickly and very easily uh, as a pass rusher, as a run defender. He's already got the size. He's He's already got – refined technique um i think he's only going to get better and, and it's going to be fast so he's he's definitely my guy that i'm saying you know if, if i'm betting on a no-brainer in this draft and this guy's going to for sure be successful i would say it's bradley chubb i love chubb i was a little bit more resistant on him at first because i thought he was more of a 4-3 guy but he added some bend this year i'm telling you he is way more flexible than he was last year and he's still adding that production he can beat you with power he can beat you with bend he can beat you with speed He's definitely pretty refined as a guy, and the comparison I keep being fed about him that I love is Everson Griffin of the Vikings. You know, he's not the Miles Garrett level edge rusher, where he's not you know Jadavian Clowney, Miles Garrett level freak, but he's going to be effective and he's going to be a great edge player for a long time. And I just I love how long he is. I I wasn't as big on Barnett last year because I thought Barnett was more his a lot of his uh, traits or his impact was based on snap anticipation. Still a pretty good get off, but I just didn't see as much explosion as I see in Chubb. And also I didn't see the edge defender that I see in Chubb. So yeah, I, I love Chubb. I think he's a top five player on in the draft. And if the Broncos, you know, don't get an offense tackle quarterback round one, if, if they wanted to go with Chubb, I would be 0% upset. All right, Carl, let's, let's hear your guy. Yeah, for sure. Well, me being a wide receiver guy, this is a guy that uh, actually probably Bronco fans are more, more likely to have heard of and to be hyping up where the NFL circles are still not as high on this guy as I am. I I just checked. Walter Football has him as a fourth through sixth round pick. Uh, Draft Tech, I think they had him like as their 170th ranked player on their board. This is a guy that's going to climb up big time. But Michael Gallup of Colorado mm. State, this guy, to me, I, I think he's – late first, early second round kind of prospect at the wide receiver position. Wow. He, he can do it all. He has decent speed. He's not the greatest speed guy for sure, but he's still a deep threat just because he is one of the best trackers of the football that I've watched in a long time. He does such a good job of adjusting to where the football's going. He can high point a football. He can fight for a football. He's strong. 
he's a pretty good route runner. He's just, he's got so much to like about his game. And I just, especially his hands, he has incredible hands. He has not had what I would consider great quarterbacks throwing to him. He has to adjust all the time to try to make a catch. And there's a lot of times where he's beat his guy, but his quarterback makes it get where he has to have contact to come down with the football. And the more I watch this guy, the more I just love what he brings to the field. So this is a guy I I really do expect as we get closer to the draft, more and more people are going to be talking about him and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew about this guy a long time ago. Well, Bronco fans, I'm sure, have known about this guy for a long time. But national media just hasn't caught up to where this guy's going to go in the draft. I love Gallup. When I'm watching him, man, he he definitely is a smooth guy. I'm not sure how great of an athlete he is, but he's so tough over the middle. He can win one-on-one. That that matchup the early in the year of Michael Gallup versus Isaiah Oliver was probably the best Colorado sports matchup we've had this year. I guess the Rockies kind of had some good some good games, but uh, yeah, I love Gallup. And I he was actually I think he had a pretty good game against Alabama too, which is like one of the few guys he had a. Putting up numbers against Alabama, I mean, heck yeah, that's I'll take it. So he's somebody I could see really rising up. Yeah, he's, I don't know. There's just so much to like about his game. And, and yeah, he's not going to be the top athlete. He's not going to, he's not going to wow people at the combine. Let's just say that. He's not going to do a John Ross and run a 4-2, what was it, 4-2-1? Yeah, no. <laughs> that would be, something, whatever he ran. Um, he's not going to be that guy, but he just has an all-around game that teams are going to really love. He's a hard worker. He's a guy that is kind of built up. He actually, it was kind of crazy coming out of college or coming out of high school. He had division one offers, but he decided he wanted to kind of refine his game a little bit more and he wanted to get playing time. And so he went the junior college way of things and then built up to go into Colorado state. And he's just, he's produced and it doesn't matter. He's had what, two, three different quarterbacks there, Colorado state. And it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. He produces. And that's a big thing for me. Because there's a lot of quarterback or wide receivers out there that either have so much talent around them that they're always wide open. This is why I had some problems with Mike Williams last year, who went to the to the Chargers, because there's just so much more talent. He was one on one so many times. And NFL, if you're asking for a number one wide receiver, you want a guy that's gonna take extra guys to cover. And I just didn't see that with him. And Gallup, like I said, he just produces. I, I think he's I don't think he's a number one wide receiver but he's going to be a high number two for a team. Yeah, to your point about the Alabama game, it says, it says here that his 81 receiving yards in that game are the most by a player against Alabama this season. So very, very impressive. Heck yeah. No, I'm, I'm a big fan. I love watching him play, and he's somebody that makes Colorado State football, you know, not a team with a lot of prospects, although they do have two offensive linemen that I like, but not a team with a lot of prospects. So Gallup's somebody that I always tune in to watch. But anyway, my number one guy is somebody I've been hyping. I'm not going to go with Tavon Bryan or anybody too obvious here, but some guys that I've been on a little bit, just to be a little bit different, but offensive tackle, offensive lineman, Tyrell Crosby from Oregon. Now this class, this tackle class, I think there's not many top tier guys. I think Connor Williams is probably a top tier guy, but other than that, I don't see any obvious first round top half of the first round talent, but Tyrell Crosby is that next tier where I think he could be a very good player for a long time in the NFL. I do have some concerns. He has had some injuries at Oregon, but they've moved him around, and he has dominated on the ground game and been very effective in the pass game, no matter where he's been. He's played left guard. He's played left tackle. He has good size. I list him at about 6'5", 6'6", 315 pounds, so that's just the ideal size for a tackle. Uh, he's. I don't think he is the fastest guy, especially getting to the second level, 
but my goodness, he can clear out a hole in the run game. Royce Freeman getting all these yards, you know, being one of the number one rushing guys of all time. A lot of that is because he's running behind number 73, Tyrell Crosby. He can blow open holes in the run game, and I would love to see him get a shot at guard in the NFL. He has for it. You know, he's a guy who I think you put him at left guard. He's definitely long enough where he's not going to have issues of guys getting around him. He's quick enough where he can handle stunts, and he's still strong and plays with enough leverage where he's not going to be an issue going from the outside to the inside in the run game. So he does, he does have a senior bowl invite, and he's somebody that obviously, of course, you know, recently I've been hyping this guy up for two and a half months, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the national media talking about him. Granted, that comes with a senior bowl invite. But I think Tyrell Crosby is a guy who's going to rise up. He might not be the most fleet of foot guy. Uh, he, he's fleet of foot enough to play some tackle in, in college football, but I don't know if he's a true offensive tackle in the NFL. But I think whoever gets him is going to be happy with him if he can stay healthy. Very good choice. Yeah, he's somebody that I think is going to get more and more hype as we go along. But the Broncos having issues all along the offensive line. His multiplicity, where he can be a left tackle if you absolutely need him to, he's definitely got – I think he can play right tackle, but if you put him at guard, I think he's going to be very successful. And that multiplicity is huge for a team with so many needs across the offensive line. But anyway, before we get too much into my offensive linemen, because I can go on forever about that, Sire, we'll give you one more guy. We'll each do one more guy. Oh. Oh, man, if I could only pick one more guy, uh, I hate to be that guy, but I would go with Baker Mayfield for sure. Um, Baker Mayfield to me is just a guy that's been so consistent at getting better year after year. Uh, I know that he's he's kind of a – for whether or not people like him uh, personally or as a prospect, but to me this is just a guy who he does everything so well. Um, if not for the fact that he doesn't play the same type of pro-style offense that Russell Wilson ran at, uh, NC State and, and Wisconsin, I think that you would be talking about this guy as a, as a perfect comparison to what Russell Wilson does. I mean, he's just a magician at making plays outside of the pocket uh, and just kind of adjusting to pressure. Uh, he, he makes great throws downfield. He's one of the most accurate deep ball passers in the league, one of the best at completing passes under pressure. He does everything so well, and his teammates respond to his leadership. So he's definitely a guy that I would, uh, that I would bet on going forward as well. Yeah, we talked about him last week, and Carl and I were not as high on him as Eric was. We had some issues with him, but we, we like him. I think he's a first-round player. Yeah, I was about to ask, when did Eric get on the show? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I like him a lot. Just everything that he does, the athleticism, the arm, the, the ability to make plays, um, the fact that he is a great runner, but he doesn't always look to just run. Um, He's one. He's been one of my favorite players to watch over the past couple years, and especially this year. I think as he he kind of knows that his transition to the professional ranks is coming. The decision that he made against Kansas maybe wasn't his best, but you know I admire the fire that he has, the passion that he has for the game, and especially I think this is my favorite thing about him is it seems that he hates losing more than he likes winning, and that's what I want. <laughs> that's what I want for my quarterback is a guy who just hates to lose, who will do anything that it takes to win the game uh, and Baker Mayfield strikes me as that type of guy. So he's one of my favorites for sure. All right. Well, I'm not gonna, we did this all last week where we could talk about how wrong you are. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just totally teasing. <laughs> this is, this is how you have a successful podcast. You invite guests on and then you talk down to them. No, I'm <laughs> no Mayfield's a guy, he's going to be an enigma going forward. I mean, his hand size is going to be questioned. His antics are going to be questioned, uh, but there's no doubt that he's fun and whoever gets him is top selling rookie jerseys his years because i mean people love him people hate him but you know you're tuning in to watch him so a lot of fun and wherever he goes i'm definitely going to be tuning in all right carl well your second one 
Okay. I, I'm going to stick with a, a receiving threat, but I'm going to switch positions here. And, and here I'll give you, I guess maybe my dream draft for the Broncos for the top two picks would be, would be Donald Darnold in the, in the first, and then Mark Andrews in the second. I, I love this kid as the tight end. He He's electric in the open field. He makes people miss left and right, yet he still has the hands and the body control to, to win in the red zone. He has speed galore. He reminds me so much of, of the Chiefs tight end. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm blanking on his name here. He's got a snobby name. Don't name him. Don't name him. Okay, don't name him. Yes, <laughs> I, I know, now, now I remember the name. But, um, but just – the the yeah baby gronk there we go just in the open field is just ability to get open with speed just to challenge the middle of the field and i just i have this picture for the broncos Uh, nick you and i've talked about this one of our favorite offenses to to have ever watched and i it's not the team but it's just the offense in general of the patriots when they had two tight ends two top tier tight ends maybe two of the top three tight ends running just just destroying teams and I just see a guy like Sam Darnold because he can be a little bit erratic. He'll throw into coverage sometimes. And you get Jake Butt and you get this kid, Mark Andrews, just controlling the middle of the field. I would love to see it. I, I, I could see it being being something special moving forward. So that's that's another guy for me that I think is going to – he's going to be like a, a 10 touchdown a, a year kind of guy if he stays healthy. He needs to work on his blocking for sure. I mean, that's most <laughs> most tight ends coming out. Most of them aren't uh, great blockers. They, they just don't train that way. Most of them are, are trying to be trained more as that receiving threat. So, But he's just electric. I, I love his game. I love how quickly he gets down the field. There's times, even with how athletic the wide receivers are there in Oklahoma, he still will sometimes beat them down the field. That, that's just how quick he is off the line. For such a big guy, what is he like? Six five, two hundred fifty pounds, something like that. So yeah, yeah I, I love this kid. Yeah, six five, two fifty four. I love this kid. I think he'd be huge for this offense. We've been struggling in the red zone, missing that tight end threat. And Jake, but I like him, but I do question a little bit of how healthy he's going to stay. And two tight end sets, I love those. I, I just, I really do. I, I think those could be huge in the NFL because. Uh, we, we watch every week. The Broncos struggle to cover a tight end. We're not the only team that is terrible against tight ends. But then you especially throw two in there. there there's so many teams that can't can't cover one of them, and you get two of them. It's it's lights out. So that that would be my dream draft right now. Man, back to back Oklahoma guys. I, I'm not going to do that because I'm not. I, I'm a trend breaker instead of a setter. But I really do like Mark Andrews. As- well, you mentioned that his blocking has a lot of work to do. They actually list him as a wide receiver because Oklahoma runs kind of a, a spread. I mean, they do have some pro style concepts in the, through the air, but he run a spread. And he was listed, I think, as a wide receiver as well um, when he was recruited out of high school. But 6'5", 250, he's, he's very nuanced as a route runner. He can really get separation, and he's sudden in and out of his break, which I love for a guy that size. I do have questions, obviously, about his blocking, but also about his ability to be a contested catch guy you know he is big but with the way Oklahoma throws the football and how Baker Mayfield has a plenty of open reads to make I think that I just I don't see as much on tape of those very very difficult contested catches in the red zone you know his explosive plays down the field that's where I see the Travis oh not supposed to say his name uh <laughs> fake Gronk fake Gronk uh, as Von Miller likes to call him um down the field where he can get that ball and he can take it 
50 yards. He's that athletic, and he can get that separation off that slant route, which I love. But uh, he's, he's somebody that definitely deserves some hype. Have you watched any uh, Dallas Goddard yet? Not, not a whole lot. I've watched a little bit of some highlights, but nothing, nothing in-depth yet. Oh, man. He's, he's a senior bowl invite as well, and he's somebody that I think is going to be flying up boards that uh, a lot of people have been hyping. I think it was Kyle Krabs of NTT, NDT Scouting was hyping him up this summer. I'm like, okay, I got to go check this guy out. And I mean, South Dakota State, you know, whatever. I don't care where he plays. That guy is a great athlete and makes plays on the ball and just a lot of fun. So if you get a chance, Mr. Wide Receiver Dude, go check out Dallas Goddard. He is okay. a lot of fun. That's not even my guy. I'm wasting all this time. <laughs> my final my guy I'm going to go with is Denzel Ward, cornerback out of Ohio State, Ooh, the Ohio State University. My bad. Uh, 5'11", about 195 pounds. And this dude is just a fireball in coverage. I absolutely love how he sticks in wide receivers' hips. I am obsessed with cornerbacks that are very loose, aggressive, and athletic enough that can play man coverage. I feel like there are so many cornerbacks because of this that are 6'2", you know, long, can play some press, but better with their back, or better always facing the line of scrimmage. You know, they're the guys that you don't want them covering guys down the field. They're better just covering an area. That's, I mean, Denzel Ward has the ability to do that, but he is a man corner. He's very physical. He can get up in your face and bump and run. Uh, He comes down. I think there was a game. I think it was the Maryland Ohio state game where he was ejected like the first three minutes of the game because they had called him on targeting. It wasn't targeting. It was a clean hit. He just killed the dude. Do you remember that hit Carl? The, the one, it was the one where that guy literally got like killed against Maryland or in for Maryland. Um, no, I can't quite remember that one off the top of my head right now. All right, I'll send it to you after this after this podcast because I mean he just he cleaned this dude clock and it was a clean hit. And for being a 5'11", 195 pound guy coming down on laying wood like that, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I also apparently like Ohio State corners because last year I was so much about Marshawn Lattimore as well. He's not quite Marshawn Lattimore. He doesn't have that same size, but as terms in terms of being a pest. And being able to stick with guys with fluidity and the ability to change directions at a drop of a dime, it's, it's incredible. And I think Denzel Ward, I think right now he's my cornerback one. And that's I'm a big Joshua Jackson fan from the Hawkeyes. I like a lot what I see from Carlton Davis. But if I want a physical cornerback that can play man and just loose and cover guys down the field, give me Denzel Ward. I, I'm very impressed with his play. All right, well, that will wrap up the third episode of the 2017, I guess it's the 2018 draft, but it's 2017 right now, Huddle Up Draft Podcast. Thank you very much to Sire for joining us today. I know you're busy out there in Nebraska, got a lot going on. Um, Sire, what are you working on right now? You know, just uh, just opened up a brand new church, and uh, that's really that's really been the main focus. That's why we moved here to Nebraska, and so... Um, just really been working hard at that um, and making sure that we are getting to know the people here and building relationships and doing that kind of thing. And other than that, just getting to spend a lot of time with my family, doing a lot more, uh, doing a lot more covering of the Broncos and, and the draft as it uh, deals with what I do as far as my day daily job type stuff. So just a lot of different things right now, but it's been it's been a really great time. So I'm, I'm enjoying it out here. Well, thank you very much for coming on today. I know you're busy out there, and definitely we, we didn't gloat too much because we definitely have some Nebraska listeners on here, but, man, what a great week to be a Hawkeye, taking down yeah. Big Red again. Oh, man, I love it. It was it was a great week, and it's been you know it's been nice to have those bragging rights now for a couple of years, and so you know, you, you, it's, it's real quiet around here. That's, I'll say that. 
yeah, that's those those black shirts have uh, been a lot been away for a while, but they might bring in Scott Frost. He's a pretty interesting coach. I know you are good friends with Cameron Parker as well, and he's he's hyped about him. So I, hopefully Nebraska gets a little better, just because those games are a little bit more exciting when Iowa's not beating them by forty. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and thank you guys for having me on the show today. I, uh, I've listened to your podcast a number of times, and I, I really enjoy it. So uh, it's an honor for me to be part of it, and hopefully uh, not the last time. We'll see about that. No, I'm just kidding. We'll definitely have you on again. It was, it was a lot of fun, for sure. Always good to bring in some Hawkeye fans in here. We can start to rub off on Carl. A Love, it. <laughs> Love uh, it. Sire, we can follow, follow him on Twitter, at Sire Benninger. Uh, can you give a spelling for that for the listeners out there since it's, they're not going to be able to see it? Yeah, yeah, it's S A Y R E B E D I N G E R. All just one, one, one word there. Awesome. You can also follow Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler M H H and myself at Nick Kendall M H H. We'll be putting out Denver Bronco articles and really just starting to get into the draft. I'm debating back and forth whether or not to put out a mock draft or a Bronco big board, but something's going to be coming up soon, and I'm sure Carl's going to be getting out there as well. He's been he's been doing some more film pieces lately, which is good for him because those are a pain in the butt to do, but. Definitely going to get some more Bronco draft articles coming out there soon. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. We also have audio up on YouTube that you can check out. Please make sure you leave a comment, a rating. We love talking with you guys. Hit up us on Twitter. If you have any different takes from us, if you think I'm just the biggest dummy ever for not being a huge Baker Mayfield fan, let me know. Let's talk about it. I mean, this is, it's subjective. So I, just, I love talking back and forth. I went back and forth today for about an hour. I probably shouldn't have been talking about Baker Mayfield and some of the quarterbacks in this class. It's fun to do. I mean, it's, Broncos right now aren't giving us a lot to look forward to, so might as well start looking forward to the draft, right? You can follow us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us. For Carl Dummler, Sire Bettinger, and myself, I'm wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up Draft Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos and go draft. Mile High Huddle.